Hi there. Welcome to Coaches on a Mission. I am Dallas Travers, and it's just you and me today. No guests on this episode. So I rarely do solo shows, but I wanted to show you two important things that we talk about a lot inside the hive, and these have been hot topics, especially recently. So the first one is arguably the most important rule for every values-driven coach, and it comes up often inside the hive. That rule simply is that marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth, period, full stop. So I'm going to break down several scenarios of this rule in action in just a bit because I'm going to guess when you hear me say that, we can all think about, oh, right, bro marketing, high-pressure sales, fake scarcity, all of those obvious strategies. But there are so many other subtle places where I know in the past I have tolerated, I'm going to guess you have too, where we tolerate that sour taste in our mouth because the strategy is supposed to work. So how can we find out which strategies are truly ours and which ones need to be thrown away so that we can be consistent? And we're not going to be consistent if marketing leaves a bad taste in our mouths. So I'll break that down again here in just a moment. After that, I really want to share what's been just a hot topic of conversation inside the hive recently. Even on coaching calls, members will call me out. They're like, oh, you're doing it. (laughs) Oh, there it is again. This is a coaching skill. It's also such a beautiful form of client-centered selling. that I And I have to say, it's probably the tool I use most often as a coach. And that tool is narration. So we'll talk about what narration is and how it shows up when you coach as well as when you sell so that you can also begin to cultivate this skill. So we've got lots of lots and lots to cover today. I'm happy to have you all to myself. Before we dig in, I just want to say how the heck did it already become October? If you're anything like me, you've probably begun thinking about your goals for next year looking at how this year has unfolded and identifying specific changes you may want to make. Maybe you're even asking yourself, what kind of support do I need to do things differently next year? So I want you to know that inside the Hive in November and December, it's a series I will host six workshops taking you through the process of designing what I call your wildly successful year. I'm going to help Hive members set clear goals for 2024. We're going to run an audit of 2023. They'll learn how to design a marketing calendar for the year so they cruise in to the new year already knowing what the plan looks like, how to adjust it, and how to keep a scorecard so that they can measure their progress along the way. I love teaching this series. In the past, I've taught it as a one-day intensive, and then I realized we need to really dig in deeper. So this year, we'll host a series of workshops that each one builds on the the one before to help all of our Hive members know exactly what they're going to do to find clients, build their list, and really scale wisely in 2024. So if you've been thinking about joining the Hive, do it now. Really, do it now. You can apply to join the program at dallastravers.com forward slash hive. 
You'll fill in a quick application. You'll book a one-on-one call with me. You and I will decide together if it makes sense for you to join the program. And then you'll get to start off in the most powerful way by um, taking advantage of the wildly successful year training. Now, you may want like more of a vibe check, right? You may want to learn a little bit more from me first. So if that's the case, sign up for an intro workshop where you're going to learn the Ripple Effect system. I'm hosting two of them. The first is on October 11th, and then the very next day on October 12th, you will learn the Ripple Effect system. Like I said, this is the foundation of everything we practice inside the hive. And it's really all about understanding how to build your business out in layers so that you're focusing on the right things that your business needs right now to take you to the next level. And what I love most about the ripple effect system is that it erases that question many coaches ask themselves, which is what the heck am I supposed to do today? So you can reserve your spot for the intro workshop by visiting DallasTraversTraining.com. So if you already know you're in for the hive, like get in while the getting's good, go to DallasTraversTraining.com slash hive to apply. If you want to test drive it first, I get it. I'll see you on either October 11th or 12th. You can grab your free spot for that intro workshop at DallasTraversTraining.com. So, and let me just say, if you decide to come to the Ripple Effect System class, whether you join the Hive or not, you're going to get a ton of value from that workshop in and of itself. All right. And if you decide to join us in the Hive, you're going to get to come to the Wildly Successful Year Training, which is going to be so much fun. All right. So with that, I want to kick our conversation off today by making a case for something that is obvious to values-driven coaches. Marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth. Full stop, period. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but when you hear me say that, you can probably think of a high-pressure sales situation you were in. Or maybe being in someone's evergreen funnel where they're telling you that um, spots are filling quickly and you got to join before the the countdown down timer closes and then two weeks later you go to the website and there's that same damn countdown timer. I saw this really bothered me actually. I saw an ad from a very well-known online marketing coach inviting folks to her online webinar and it said hurry up there are only a couple of seats left when I know that you can have as many seats as you want in an online webinar so don't lie to me right we see that stuff happening all the time and it's getting easier and easier to spot thank goodness but what about these invisible ways that we may not notice right away these tiny little tolerances that we build up to things that really aren't aligned. That's what I want to look at today. Okay, so I'll start by just sharing a story of how I really understood this lesson and learned it the hard way. And then we'll talk a little bit more about these, a couple of other more subtle ways that we can break this rule on ourselves and tolerate a little bit of bitter taste in our mouth for the wrong reasons. But first, You may have heard me share this story before. If you're a Hive member, you've definitely heard me share this story before. The first time I launched an online course, it sold out in less than 12 minutes, which is rad, except I had to lie to get there, which is really not cool. Okay. So I was working with a mentor at the time who all of her business practices 
the, the people who mentored her were a lot of those familiar faces we see when we think about bro marketing, okay? And bro marketing is, this isn't about the gender of the person who's doing the marketing. This is about the egocentric practices, right? And the the manipulation. Okay. So even though a lot of her strategies, they were just, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> it was a little bit more challenging to spot, except this one. So she's taking me through a webinar launch strategy. I'd never done it before. This is my first online course. And one of the things she insisted that I do. Now, I had agency. I'm not blaming her. I'm the one who did this, okay? But she said, you'll get way more sales if you tell people there's a limited number of spots, but then you just let everybody in. So we landed at 35 people. I was going to, on the webinar, say there are only 35 spots. You got to join now. Well, in 12 minutes, we had 70, like almost 80 spots sold. Now, that was on me, right? And I could make so many excuses. Well, the people literally bought right at once, so I couldn't turn the shopping cart off. And that's bullshit, right? And just, oh, I'm, I really feel for that younger part of me. And I'm glad I learned the lesson. Okay, so here's what happened. Sure, we, we sold, right? But I'll tell you, the thing I'm most upset about when I think about this was I ignored my gut. I actually knew that this strategy was not aligned with my values, and yet I swallowed that bitter pill. I let marketing leave a bad taste in my mouth because I believed that marketing was just supposed to leave a bad taste in my mouth. I'm going to say that again. I believed that marketing was going to leave a bad taste in my mouth. Therefore, I compromised I tolerated things that in any other area of my life I would never tolerate because I just had this ex expectation that it was supposed to be uncomfortable. And I want to grow a business, right? And well, this is what everyone's doing. So it's not that big of a deal if everybody around me is doing it. Okay. So the first call happened for this very successful launch. The next morning, I got an email from a wonderful student who was brave enough to send me this message. And she said, I kept, I had myself and two other friends were on the call last night. I counted the number of questions and more than 35 people asked a question. So what, basically what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and my first initial reaction was to be defensive and like annoyed that, pff, why is she keeping track? I, I, I was there for a hot minute for sure. And then the next emotion was shame. Oh, I was just really disappointed in myself and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I did not reply to her right away. I gave myself some space. I really thought through, how am I going to handle this? And I came up with a values aligned plan. It didn't feel right to kick out the 40 people, right, who had grabbed their spot um, after number 35. But I thought, oh, I could host this class twice. So cut the group in half. Like I figured all of that out. Then I did the hard, brave thing and let everyone know that I had lied and here's what I was going to do about it. I gave them the opportunity to get a refund if they wanted. I did, I did as many things as I could and it was hard and it felt so good. It felt so good. I'm happy to say I made it right with every one of those students and I learned a really valuable lesson. Now, the obvious lesson here is don't lie to sell, duh right? But the more important lesson was, number one, marketing doesn't have to leave a bad taste in my mouth. And 
If that's going to be true, I have to trust myself more than any expert or teacher I ever come in contact with. So I am really grateful for that experience because it taught me the truly the most valuable lesson that I have learned as an entrepreneur, for sure. Now, this is a really um, ex- extreme example of this rule in action, right? Marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth, and here's why. But again, what I want to do is talk about some subtle areas where this can also pop up that you may or may not notice. So as you hear these stories, just ask yourself, where am I tolerating things that I don't need to tolerate? So we have a Hive member. I'm going to name her Betty. Betty is so hardworking. Betty is, she's like me. We like to get it right. Betty's willing to follow the formulas and do the research and have the conversations. So she is a parenting coach and finally arrived at what inside the Hive we call a dream client power statement that she felt good enough about to take it to the streets, right? She shared this dream client power statement inside of a, another program that she's in to get feedback. And the mentor of that program replied to her post basically saying, yeah, but, right? What makes you special? What are you going to, how are you going to stand out? This is not narrow enough. So where they landed was that instead of being a parenting coach to new moms, uh, Betty's now going to be a parenting coach to couples which is fine, right? Except that it wasn't really what Betty wanted to do. It was a short-term solution or a surface-level solution to a long-term opportunity. So I have pretty strong opinions about this, and I'll save that for another day. I will say that (laughs) focusing on new moms or or new parents is not the thing that distinguishes you. What distinguishes you is your stance, my friends. We will talk more about this in the new year, I promise you. But for Betty, again, she took the advice of an outside voice that didn't, first of all, didn't even have all the information and didn't even bother to ask her about her desires or her values or her stance or this other thing. It was like this glib advice as far as I'm concerned. And now she was going to go and create a whole new niche because of it. This is not a mistake on her part. She wants so badly to be successful that she's willing to try Every, any niche, right? The trouble was, Betty, what my observation, and Betty, you probably know who you are, and if if I'm wrong here, then we'll just use this as an anecdote. (laughs) But my observation was she was trusting this outside voice more than herself for all of the reasons that as values-driven coaches, we get ourselves stuck. We want to do it right, and we want to make a difference, and we really want all of our hard work to pay off. So we'll get stuck in preparing to get ready to begin, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So what's the connective thread? I didn't listen to myself. I listened to a teacher, right? And we all have to listen to teachers, but we can't let that voice be louder than our own inner guidance. Same thing happened with Betty. Wilma, I I don't know if you're catching my Flintstones theme here, is another Hive member who fell into another version of this. This one is so nuanced, but it is another illustration of the subtle ways that many of us will tolerate a bitter taste because we think marketing, we're not good at it. It is uncomfortable. So uh, Betty's example was really about niching. Wilma's example is about your message. 
inside the hive, one of the very first milestones, like the second big milestone that folks reach is pinpointing their signature system. Whether you're just starting out or you've been at this for a long time, every coach, you have a signature system inside of you. It's often not a step-by-step process. It's more of a layered approach. But when we can pull that signature system out of you, you will feel so much more confident in your marketing. It becomes this tool you can use to help people who don't even understand what coaching is get an idea of what the coaching experience is like. It's a roadmap you can use to help clients who feel like they've plateaued or they don't quite know what they want to coach on today. You pull out that signature system and ask them what the next step for them might look like. You can create a beautiful Canva graphic of your signature system. It can be a part of your client surge sales process. When you send that invite letter, you attach the signature system. So lots of ways to use it, a lot of value behind this practice. So Wilma is, oh my goodness, such an incredible human being, just ebullient and rooted and just, I just adore this person. She has years of experience, a ton of education, an incredible track record doing the work that she does. The work that she does is not tidy. It is not simple. It is deep. It is raw. It is messy. And Wilma was trying really, really hard to create a signature system that was tidy, that was, I'm using air quotes here, smart marketing, a air quotes again, magnetic message. And it was really frustrating to her because she would come to Hive Calls and we'd start to simplify her signature system and suddenly it felt shallow for her. It felt like just words without any meaning. And that's because we were trying to fit her messy, deep, layered, I don't want to say complicated as in difficult, but nuanced, there's a better word, nuanced signature system. We were trying to fit it into some sort of pretty three-part Venn diagram, and it was not working. And it was causing Wilma to question her future. Is my business ever going to be successful if I can't get this step right? And when we took a step back, we realized, oh, you've been doing it right all along. The formula that you have been taught here is not the formula for you. So we threw the formula away. And now Wilma's leaning in. What is her signature system? Well, I could explain it to you, but the truth is it's different for every client. We go deep. It's incredibly spiritual. You're going to learn a lot. It's also intellectual. You're going to move forward three steps and move backward two, but I am by your side the whole time. So the thing that we were trying to air quotes here fix about the signature system is actually the beautiful part of her signature system. So I'm so grateful that we were able to move through that together and uncover it. But I share that story because often as a values-driven coach, especially when you're not a business coach, right? The work that you do is, isn't is tidy. It's not simple. It's not very clean. It's different depending on the day of the week and the client who's in front of you. And yet, when we try to follow a marketing formula more than our own inner knowing, there's that bitter taste in our mouth again. So yes, marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth when it comes to the way that you sell. But I want you to apply this principle also to the way that you choose and communicate your niche and for sure in the way you uh, embrace and embody your messaging. All right. So 
This is great advice, but how do we put it into action? Sometimes, I know for myself, when I'm trying something new, it is uncomfortable. And the easy thing for me to do is say, oh, that's not for me. That's not aligned. But I'm not really going to grow much, right, if I only do things that I'm familiar with. The same is true for you. If it's true that marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth, we have to get to the root of where your resistance might be coming from. Because sometimes it's smart, right? And we're resisting because it's not aligned with our values, for sure. Every strategy I ever take on, I just run it through a quick values appraisal. Is this aligned with integrity? If not, what do I need to change? Is this aligned with belonging? If not, what do I need to change, right? But other times at the root of my resistance is either fear. I haven't done this before and I don't like doing things I've never done before because I might not be good at them. Or, oh, okay, perfectionism. I want so badly to get this right that I'm going to work and work and work around the strategy instead of just taking the strategy to the streets. So how can we really understand and put into practice this idea that marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth? It's by testing the strategy, believe it or not. Testing the strategy. How do we test the thing? Step one, we get to the root of the resistance. Is this fear speaking? Is this perfectionism? Or is this a values misalignment? We look at the values piece first. Because if it's not aligned with your values, please give yourself permission to throw it away or change it drastically. If it's not values and it's one of these other things, now we need to step two, go into information gathering mode. So that we can really determine, all right, what do I need to change specifically in order for this to be something I know I can stick with and to test and see if it even works? So what does that look like? Committing to trying it out to completion, or if it's a practice that never really ends, a 90-day practice. You got to run through the tape here in order to really find out. My daughter and I, we've been doing so much reading together, and I just love it so much. So right now we're reading uh, the Pumpkin Falls mystery series, where the Pumpkin Falls private eyes, led by truly Lovejoy, uh, solve, solve mysteries in their very, very small New Hampshire town. And Frina and I, we love reading the books. We also just love guessing, right? Like, what's going to happen in the book? So almost every day she asks me, Mom, can we talk about the book? What do you think is going to happen? And there are times when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't answer this question again. But mostly, I, she's eight years old and I give her grace. I'm just really grateful to have any moment with her. But what I what I communicated with her today was, you know, the quickest way to find out what ha what happens in the book is to read the book. Let's go read the book instead of talking about the book. So the same thing is true when it comes to understanding whether or not a strategy is going to work for you or not. If it's not a values misalignment, now we got to look at is this fear or perfectionism? Let's find out. I'm going to commit to doing the thing or 90 days. Now, if we go back to the example I shared at the beginning of my uh, big, bitter marketing mistake, that was a values misalignment. I don't, I'm not committing to 90 days there, right? Okay. So now we're going to commit to 90 days, and then we just measure every step of the process. What are my inner and my outer metrics, all right? 
outer metrics, these are easier to identify. If you signed up for a, an Instagram Reels course that's supposed to bring you hundreds, if not thousands of new followers, the outer results, those metrics are, did it bring me followers, right? If you're applying client surge and you're running through the tape with it, did it bring you clients, right? If it did, great. If it didn't, where in the process do we need to make an adjustment? Where did things go sideways? Same thing with the Reels course. Now, we've also got those inner metrics. Harder to really quantify, but I look at two things. Number one, did this energize me? Or number two, did it deplete me? If it depletes me, I need to look. This is tricky if it depletes you, but it works. Oof, right? All right, so how can I make this simpler for myself? How can I? So I'll, I'll use client surge as an example. Client surge, the first time you do it, is a pretty intense 30-day process. It's intentionally intense because it gives you a ton of practice doing sales calls in a short amount of time, which gets you good at selling. After you finish client surge, most people will say, oh, like it was a roller coaster. I don't know if I, if I want to do that again, but it works. So now I feel kind of stuck. But then what we do is we move into something that I call client flow. So instead of this intense surge, you're applying the exact same principles, but in a much more graceful, spacious way. All right. Now, why are we doing that? It's this inner metric. Did it deplete me or did it energize me? We have other Hive members who they love it. It totally energizes them. They surge once a quarter. Okay. So marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth. If it's leaving a bad taste in your mouth, Trust yourself before you trust any formula or any expert. Then we got to understand where's this bad taste coming from? Run a quick values assessment. If it's not values aligned, bye. See you later. If it is values aligned, then there could be fear or perfectionism getting in the way. If that's the case, now we got to gather some information. I'm going to run through the tape. Or I'm going to practice this for 90 full days, gathering data at every step of the formula to measure, did it do the thing it's supposed to do? Did it energize me or did it deplete me? Okay. So this is really important because if you're investing in programs, right, you're doing that for a reason. So you got to give the program a chance, right? Hopefully you haven't made the investment if it's not values aligned. So now we got to get in, dig in, gather the data, the outer and the inner data. We just talked about this inside the hive, and this is so, so crucial. I just want to give a public service announcement here. Please steer clear of programs that do not allow you to deviate strategically from their system. If you're working with a coach who is dismissive because you broke their rules, right, that is... That's not coaching, right? They're not the leader for you. If you're inside of a program and they say, well, you got to just trust the process. Did you do the thing? You got to work on your own leadership, all of that crap. They're not doing their job. Every proven strategy, if, it's if, it, if it truly will stand the test of time, it should be customizable and you should adjust it to match your needs, your lifestyle, your audience, your personality, your goals. All right. So marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth. The lesson that I learned was the importance of checking in with my values first and foremost. The lesson that Betty learned was, okay, <laughs> I might have uh, something uh, that's keeping me in resistance, 
And I'm not judging resistance. I I resist at least three things a day, right? There's nothing wrong with resistance. But if I want to move forward, let me look at why I'm not implementing on a strategy. So Betty was just get, like beginning, right, but not really executing. So she learned, oh, I got to actually test this formula before I find out which problem to solve. I can't just keep changing my niche and think and thinking I'm making progress. Wilma, on the other hand, realized, oh, look at this. I, I've done this part of the process before. I, this is already happening for me, and I'm going to trust myself more than a neat and tidy formula that Dallas is delivering up. So marketing should never, ever leave a bad taste in your mouth. And I, if you take nothing else away from this portion of the episode, just know how much you already know. And the more you trust your inner voice and stay curious about the data, the more confident you'll become as a business owner and as a coach. All right. So I hope that was helpful. If you want to talk more about this, we are having conversations like this all the time inside the Hive. Um, I just love this community so much. So you can check out more about the Hive at dallastravers.com slash Hive. If you want to come to an intro class and really be in a learning experience with me, come to the and learn the Ripple Effect system that's happening on October 11th and 12th. You can reserve your free spot for that workshop at dallastraverstraining.com. Okay. We're going to shift gears now. We talked about this essential rule for values-driven coaches. Now I want to talk about a tool that, and invite you to put it into practice when you sell, but also when you coach. So what is it? Narration. What is narration? It's kind of like sharing the thoughts in your head out loud, <laughs> telling your clients leads your audience what you're thinking and what you'll do next before you actually do it. So I think I started practicing this inside of my business after I became a mom. It could also just be something I do naturally. I can't really ever, some people ask, where did you learn this? And I can't say for sure, but here's my theory. So when my daughter was born, my husband Andrew and I fell in love with a parenting style specifically designed for newborns, infants, and even like up until two. It's We still practice it today, but it's really about um, how you meet newborns and welcome them into the world and how you help them thrive in their first few years by relating to them as a full and complete human. So this is Rye Parenting. Magda Gerber was the founder of it. Uh, if you're curious, Rye is R-E-I, Resources for Infant Educators and Educarers, I believe they're calling it now. It was incredible. So Rye creates this very calming and connected environment for the baby. What it also did for me as a mom is it bought me time to get and stay grounded. So I'll give you an example. If your infant is laying on the floor, as a rye parent, you would very slowly, like you're walking through honey, right? Walk over to the infant, get low, and then tell them, I'm going to pick you up now before you pick them up, right? If you're changing their diaper, you talk to them while you're changing their diaper. I'm opening up your diaper, and now I've got the wipe. It's a little bit warm. Let me wipe you down. So you really are in this active practice of narration, and there's so many benefits to this. Look it up if you're interested. It's just incredible. I'm so grateful for everything that I learned. But narration is at the heart of this parenting practice. 
It helps the baby like feel connected to you. It helps them actually understand <laughs> what's happening to them, right? It helps us, this is a big one, slow down and really relate to our babies in this intimate and just beautiful, quiet way. So how does narration show up in your business? It helps your clients also feel seen and cared for. It helps the person you're selling coaching to feel seen and cared for. It helps them trust you because you're telling them what's going to happen before it happens. And it buys you time to slow down, get grounded, avoid overcompensating, making up stories in your mind, reacting to scenarios or reacting to your own nerves. Narration is such a beautiful gift and I want to invite you to implement it when you sell and when you coach. So let me give you some, let's talk a little bit more about how to apply this. We'll start with selling. An easy way to practice narration in a sales call. Actually, I just I've I've been narrating to you today just so just so you know. Let's pull back the curtain here. Twice now I've mentioned the ripple effect system and the hive, right? When I talk told you about the hive, you can here's the URL, dallastravers.com/hive that you can go to. You can read about it, you can apply, then you and I are going to have a call, we'll decide together. So I'm narrating what happens there. Now you know what you can expect. Same is true when you host a sales call. This is something that we practice inside of Client Surge. It's something that I practice whenever I host sales calls. At the beginning of the call, you very clearly share the agenda. Here's what's going to happen during our time together today. I want to learn a little bit more about where you're at and what your goals are. This is going to help me understand the best way to help you. Hopefully, it's also just going to give you clarity simply by being in this container with me. From there, we'll practice a little coaching. I want to give I want to give you some traction today. I'll be sure to help you set up some accountability so you know what you're doing next. And then lastly, I'll be sure to reserve some time at the end of our session to tell you more about my coaching programs and then help you decide whether or not you'd like to move forth move further in this work together. How does that sound? Okay, so there's an example of how we use narration to set the stage when we're selling. This helps your client feel so, potential client, right? Feel so cared for. It helps you really slow down and it holds you accountable to actually selling at the end of the sales call instead of getting nervous or running out of time or all of these other things we do to sabotage a sale because we're nervous. So there's a really clear example of narration and the power of it when you're setting up a sale. We had a Hive member. This was a question just recently. Uh, let's call, where are we at? Barney. So we have Betty and Wilma. Now I'm going to tell you about Barney. So Barney has been practicing uh, their sales calls before starting the client search process. And one thing that's been tricky for Barney is this accountability piece that we have inside of our sales calls. It's the way that you transition from coaching the client and into inviting them to hire you. And for Barney, this just has not felt very graceful or natural. So they were shoving it in when it didn't feel like it belonged or just ignoring it. They're, they're feeling very stuck about how to create authentic accountability. 
my feedback for Barney was narrate the fact that accountability feels unnatural. So here's what that might look like. Normally, in these uh, intro coaching sessions, I strive to make sure that every client has an action step that they can take. And I want to say, right now, I'm not totally sure about the best way to set up accountability for you. So I wanted to just share that and then ask you, what feels like the next step that you could take in order to put what we've discussed here into action? That is just so real and transparent and rooted in trust and client-centered. The client's going to appreciate your transparency. It also opens the door to a more vulnerable conversation. So now uh, Barney's follow-up was, okay, yeah, but then what do I do if the client says, I don't know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If I did know, I'd be doing it. Oh, that's a good question, right? Then again, we can narrate. I have to confess, I'm... It makes me excited to hear you say you don't know, because to me, that's another sign that you're a perfect candidate for coaching. Here's why. You don't know what you don't know, and inside of a coaching conversation, we can uncover what to do next together. This is how I help my clients the most. How would you like to hear (laughs) more about working together. So we transition right into, so beautifully, the invitation. The invitation unfolds. And then looping back, that accountability piece we're narrating might be something like, so I want us to go back to that conversation we had earlier about accountability. Perhaps the best next step for you, if it resonates, is to think about the three things you want to accomplish through coaching. How does that sound? So instead of just saying, all right, so what three things do you want to accomplish through coaching? We're creating that connective thread, slowing it down, helping the client really feel cared for. Narration. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So another way that you can use narration when you sell, before I move on to how to use narration when you coach. A great use of narration when you sell is when it comes to addressing concerns. So I don't talk about overcoming objections. Instead, it's about addressing concerns. You and the client, you're working together to just talk through their valid concerns about whether or not this is the right step for them to take by hiring you. Okay, so how do we use narration when we address concerns? This is where we have to put on our brave shoes because we got to center the client and use narration as a mirror to help them see more clearly where they might be in their own way. So I'll give you a concrete example of this. I often have to just laugh and not in a rude way, but just because it's legitimately confusing to me. I will have a sales call with someone who's interested in the hive, and they'll spend quite a bit of time sharing the different things that they've tried to find clients without any success and talking about how much they just need help to figure out their niche and get a stronger message, all of these things that they learn inside the hive. We've then talked about how the hive curriculum and coaching will help solve those problems, and when I invite them to join, Their response is some version of, yes, 
Yes, I love it. I'm totally in. I really want to work with you. Yes, the hive is for me. Let me go and get two clients, 10 clients, one client, whatever it is. Let me go and get some clients first, and then I'll come back and be ready for the hive, which doesn't make any sense, right? Now, if I wasn't centering the client, I would say, okay, like I will follow up with you or thank you for telling me. And they would be on their own left to solve a problem that they've been unable to solve up until now. So instead, I use narration. And it might sound something like this. Can you help me understand? We just spent quite a bit of time talking about how you've struggled to find clients and about how the hive can help you solve that problem. And now you just told me that instead of joining the program that's going to help you find clients, you're going to go and try to get clients on your own at first. And that just doesn't quite make sense for me. So I want to find out, did I hear you accurately? And if so, can you explain that a little bit more and help me understand? So this is where we use narration, right? I'm confused. Here's what I heard you say, right? And here's why it doesn't quite line up. Tell me more. We use narration as this beautiful coaching tool to help people see more clearly where they might be getting in their own way. In particular, where they might be making it harder for themselves to do the thing they really want to do, which is invest in our programs. So those are two examples of how you can use narration, three really, examples of how you can use narration in sales calls that are so super powerful. Setting up the sale from the beginning, narrating when you feel like things are amiss, right? Like normally I try to find a place to create accountability and I can't quite do that here. Let's talk that through, right? And then using narration as a mirror, that you hold up to help people see where where resistance might be taking over a little bit. All right, I want to wrap our conversation up today. Thank you so much for sticking with me here. It's kind of fun to do some teaching. I, I do so much coaching on the on the show. Let's wrap up and talk about how you can use narration when you actually coach. All right. <sighs> if you notice that you feel pressure to have all of the answers. If you find that you're more focused on proving worth rather than providing value, narrate what's happening for you so that you can get yourself regulated enough to center the client again. We've all been there, right? Like we want our clients to be successful and we want to have answers for them. And we can unconsciously buy into this thinking that if I don't have all the answers, they're not going to stay a client and that that's no good, right? So suddenly we're falling into proving worth over providing value. When that sneaks in, it's okay to narrate exactly what's happening. This is just like a giant reset button and your clients will adore you for it. This actually happened yesterday on a Hive call. We were cruising pretty quickly through a bunch of volunteers and getting toward the end of time. And I have to really watch myself when I get toward the end of time. It's not necessary. I, I've been doing this long enough to know exactly how to not let time dictate the way I show up. And yet, every once in a while, I can feel it trickling in. So yesterday, there was a Hive member, uh, Fred, a Hive member, Fred, who had a question. And truthfully, we got to the answer so efficiently that I thought, wait, 
am I missing something here? So instead of just quietly thinking, all right, if I'm missing something, Fred will let me know, I narrated. I said something like, I'm a little bit worried that my feedback may seem dismissive. I'm a little bit worried that I might be missing something. So I just want to check in and find out how the solution has landed for you. That's very different from, so how is this landing? If I'm riding on the wave of efficiency over impact, asking the question, how is this landing is going to sound like, all right, we're done here. Check check the box. Narrating what's happening internally Oh, I'm a little bit concerned that I'm uh, that my feedback may seem dismissive or that I'm somehow missing something. Let me check in and see how this landed. That's how we build trust. Another example that I, I'll make up on the fly here a little bit. <laughs> this is like the story of my life when I first started coaching, right? So I want to just note, I want you to notice what I just did. I narrated. Let me give you another example. I'm going to make it up on the fly here a little bit. Right? There was a part of me that thought, oh, what's, that thought, what's my example going to be? Is this going to make sense? I'm truly making it up on the fly. Instead of winging it, I just narrated to you. I can't help myself, right? But here is another example. If you ever feel like you're falling into that pressure to prove your worth rather than providing value, narrate that. I notice myself falling in to this need to have all the answers for you, which isn't fair to you. My job is to help you uncover answers together. So I'm going to take a beat. Whew, let me grab a glass of water. Great. I feel really grounded now. Let's start over and work together to find the answers that you're seeking. So powerful. That is you giving the client so much respect. It's also you giving yourself so much respect. Respect. All right. So we talked today about three things. Number one, marketing should never leave a bad taste in your mouth. Look for the small ways that you're tolerating more than you need to be. Number two, how can you begin to practice the art of narration when you're selling when you're coaching, to serve the relationship you're building with everyone you serve. And then of course, number three, this is your opportunity to jump into the hive before the year is through. I'm so excited about our year-end training and it would be just incredible to have you in this very special community and be your coach for 2024. So there are two ways to decide about the hive. The first one, if you already know you're in, apply. Let's have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. We'll get you started. You can do that at dallastravers.com slash hive. If you want a, a bit of a preview, come to the Ripple Effect System Workshop. I'm hosting two of them. One is on the 11th of October. The other is on the 12th. You will learn the three-phase process to build sustainable success. You'll also get the opportunity to apply for the Hive there. You can do that at dallastravertraining.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to being back here next week with another coaching session. In the meantime, have fun out there. <laughs>